welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. If you've got your copy of God's Word, let me invite you to find the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to begin our series chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Colossians today. And we've entitled this new series, The Supreme and Sufficient Savior. I want you to know that the Savior Jesus Christ is supreme. He is the only one that is worthy of worship and he is sufficient to meet any need that you have today. But as we Go through these first few verses of Colossians 1 this morning. I want to preach today on this subject, making a difference. Making a difference. As we walk through this passage, we're going to discover that Christ made a difference in the life of Paul. We're going to see his conversion experience and how his life dramatically changed after he came to saving faith in Jesus. That really should be all of our testimonies is that when we got saved by the good grace of God, when he reached down and saved our soul, set our foot on a solid rock, you and I should have a life that is different than it was before we came to know Christ. Christ makes a difference. We're also going to see that Paul makes a difference in the life of Timothy. He's got a young protege, Timothy, that he is pouring himself into. And so as believers and as Christians, we can make a difference in the lives of others. We're also going to see that the church at Colossae that Paul is writing this letter to, they're going to make a difference in the community and beyond. And I would challenge all of us today, As blood-bought, born-again believers, as Christians, we too can make a difference right where God has planted us for the cause of Christ and in the lives of others. Some have said this particular letter, just four chapters, should be required reading for every person who is seeking to live for Christ. It addresses many of the key issues that even confront our culture today. And yes, the main theme of this letter of Paul's is the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. He reminds us that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The only hope we have is that Christ is in us. Most scholars believe that the church at Colossae that is going to receive this letter from Paul. Can you just go there? They get this letter from Paul and someone's going to stand and read this letter. Most people believe, most scholars believe that the church is somewhere around five years old when they receive this letter. Epaphras that we meet down there in verse seven is the founding pastor of this church. And he has alerted Paul to the fact that some false teachers have infiltrated the church. Some false doctrine had begun to infiltrate the church. And it was really a blend of Jewish legalism and Eastern mysticism 
that had begun to kind of make its way into the church. And we'll talk about this later. It was something called Gnosticism that, that began to infiltrate the church, that they believed all matter was evil, so there was no way Jesus was a real person. They thought you had to have superior knowledge before you could come to faith in Jesus. And, and all of this false teaching had begun to infiltrate the church, and they were taking bits and pieces from everywhere and trying to make themselves comfortable in their walk with Christ. The same thing happens today. In our culture today, people love to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of our opinion and a little bit of scripture and we create a God in our own image that is comfortable with our sin. And we must have an authority in our life. And for the child of God, the authority in our lives must be and should be the word of God because it is sufficient, it is supreme. So this morning, we're gonna do a quick introduction to the author and meet the audience of this letter. I had planned to preach through the first six verses uh, this morning. In the first service, I got through verses one and two. So we'll see how far we get in this service. If y'all you, you, might be a little smarter than they are. So we'll see what happens, amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna read Colossians chapter one. We'll read the first six verses. I doubt we'll make it all the way through verse six, but we'll read down through verse six. If you've got your Bible, would you say amen? amen? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it, also, as it doth also in you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. Heavenly Father, now as we open the word of God, I pray, God, we would hear from you this morning. I pray, Heavenly Father, you would challenge us to be people that would make a difference. The Lord, we wouldn't just go through life willy-nilly, being blown around just by different waves of doctrine, but God, help us to be intentional in our walk. And Lord, help us to be intentional as we seek to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask all of these things. Amen. You may be seated. Epaphras, the fellow servant of Paul that we meet down there in verse seven, is the founder of this church and he was saved under Paul's ministry at Ephesus. So Paul had led Epaphras to faith in Christ and he went back to Colossae and founded a church. Epaphras made a difference. Because when he got saved, he knew that he wasn't to just hang on to the gospel for himself. But he would then go back to his hometown, to Colossae. He planted a church and made a difference right there where God planted him. And when the false teachers and the false doctrines began to infiltrate the church, he receives this letter from Paul. 
Paul penned this letter from a Roman prison during his very first imprisonment. So let's investigate Paul's introduction and his encouragement to these saints. If you're taking notes, I see, first of all, Paul's authorship. Paul's authorship. Now, Paul uses his name at least three times throughout the four chapters of this letter to the church at Colossae. And for years and years and years, centuries, people that read the word of God believed that Paul was the author of this book. Until the early 1800s, there were some folks that they, th- they thought they were critical thinkers. But the truth is they were just liberals is what they were. And they began to question the authorship of Colossians. And they began to question, was Paul even the author of this letter? Well, I would just say this to you. This past Wednesday night, we talked about what we believe as believers here in Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. What do we believe about the Bible? And here's what we believe about the Bible. Number one, it is inspired. That means, according to Peter, it is God-breathed, that God used the pen and the personality of the people that wrote this book to pen down every single word of it. So we believe every word of it is inspired. We also believe that the word of God is infallible. And that word infallible, I love, because that word infallible means this, it's incapable of error. That Bible that you hold in your hand, the precious word of God that is on that tablet that you have in front of you. Maybe you have it pulled up on your phone, but the precious word of God is incapable of being in error. And so for me, I just read the word of God and believe what it says. I don't need to have any higher criticism of the word of God. I don't need anything other than the word of God to tell me who the author of the word of God is because we believe every single word of it. So let's go with his pedigree. Notice Paul, as he introduces himself, we see his pedigree. This is the guy who was once Saul of Tarsus. The the author of this letter to this church was once a persecutor of Christians. The very first mention of Paul in the scriptures is over in the book of Acts and we find him in charge of the coats of the men who would stone the very first Christian martyr by the name of Stephen. And in Acts chapter seven and verse 58, the Bible says, and they cast him out of the city. That's speaking of Stephen. And they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. We know he later became Paul. Notice in Acts 8, verses 1 through 3, I think we have it on the screen. It says, Saul was consenting unto his death. That's speaking of Stephen. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and committed them to prison. Here's Saul who would later become Paul and be the author of what we read this morning. He 
furthers his pedigree in Philippians chapter three and verse five, where he describes himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. And he was a man who was fanatical about persecuting the church. This is a guy that went from persecuting Christians to being a preacher in the church. He would imprison those that claimed to follow Jesus Christ. He would put those to death that claimed to be Christians and new believers scattered all over the place in fear of this guy named Saul of Tarsus. And some would have considered maybe that the author of our text that we read today would be the most unlikely people to receive the free gift of grace. This guy was the lowest of the low. This guy was as far from God as you could possibly be. He was spiritually dead, according to Ephesians chapter two and verse eight. And Saul, it seems, had completely ruined his life. But then one day, according to Acts chapter nine, he was making his way to a place called Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, the Lord came to where he was there and gloriously saved his soul and changed his life forever. Paul, who was once Saul, is now a man who was completely sold out for the cause of Christ. You talk about making a difference. You talk about somebody that went from, went from, uh, uh, being steeped in sin to being sold out for the Savior. Christ made a difference in the life of this man Saul. And it's my prayer that he's made the same difference in your life. Now, some of you this morning, you struggle with your salvation because you never had that Damascus Road experience. You, you wanted some uh, euphoric experience when you got saved like Saul did. But some of you had a salvation experience like Matthew or Levi did over in the gospels where Jesus just walked up to him and said, Hey, you know, follow me. And Levi said, believe a will. And he began to follow Jesus from that day. And Jesus followed him and he followed Jesus from then on. But at the end of the day, here's what I want you to hear. Jesus made a difference. And here's a guy who was the lowest of the low. And you may think, preacher, if you knew how low I really was, you wouldn't say that God loves me. Oh yes, I would. You hadn't smoked too much, snorted too much, drank too much, been with too many women, been with too many men. You ain't sunk low enough that you're in a place where Jesus can't reach down and save your soul. You are in a perfect spot when you look up because he reaches down and lifts you up out of the miry clay of sin. So here's Paul. His pedigree is that he was a persecutor and now he's a preacher. Why? because Christ makes a difference. We see his pedigree, but then we see his position. Paul establishes his authorship, and now he speaks of his apostleship. Now that word apostle means one who is sent. And Paul refers to himself as an apostle many times through the New Testament. So the question we ask ourselves this morning is this, what qualifies Paul to refer to himself as an apostle? And are there still apostles today? After all, pastor, I met so-and-so that told me they were apostle or apostolus so-and-so. Do apostles still have those positions today? I would say this to you that some well-meaning people, others that are greed-filled people, have given themselves that very title. And giving yourself the title of apostle or apostolus is a lot of things, but it is not biblical. 
Well, I thought I was in a Baptist church. I thought I'd get one amen other than from Blaine down here, amen? There are some qualifications that none of us meet that are required for you to refer to yourself as an apostle. Apostles are those who have been saved by Jesus Christ, who were personally sent by Jesus Christ and saw with their own eyes the resurrected Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have seen the resurrected Christ? So we got no apostles in here today. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to know that. Apostles' ministries were authenticated by miracles. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Someone challenged Paul's apostleship one time, and this is how he responded in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1. He said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Watch this next phrase. Have I not what? Say that next word out loud. Have I not Jesus Christ, our Lord? See, there's the requirement that you have seen. You say, well, where did he see Jesus? He saw him on the road to Damascus. And he was sent personally by Jesus there on the road to Damascus. So very few men, even in the scripture, qualify to be called an apostle. And so today, I, I don't say that to throw stones at people that call themselves an apostle. I think some of them just don't know. But we should know because we want to rightly divide the word of truth. Because here's what happens. If you get a little bit of that theology, and man, they're a nice person. And that not, listen, just because they're a nice person doesn't mean their doctrine is correct. Just because I'm a nice person most of the time doesn't mean my doctrine is correct. You should be like Bereans and go study the scripture for yourself to ensure that what I'm teaching you is absolutely correct. Amen, apostle? <laughs> we see Paul's pedigree. We see Paul's position. Then we see Paul's partner. Paul refers to his partner in the faith here, Timothy, in verse 1. Now, Timothy is a guy that was greatly influenced by his mother and his grandmother. You talk about making a difference. Mama and grandma made a difference in the life of young Timothy. Some of you here this morning and you, you, you don't today have somebody that you're pouring your life into, but you've got kids and grandkids. Hey, let's start there. Let's start there by sharing the truth of the word of God with our kids and with our grandkids because his mother and his grandmother made a difference in the life of Timothy. Paul also made a difference in the life of Timothy. He led Timothy to faith in Christ on his very first missionary journey. And then he invited Timothy to join him on his second journey. And Timothy was absolutely instrumental in the establishment of the churches at Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. He was a faithful brother in Christ and, and Paul invested his life into young Timothy. One of the sayings that we have on the walls in our grow group rooms is this, disciples making disciples. 
because that's what disciples are supposed to do. When you've been saved by God's amazing grace, you're supposed to obey the commandment to go. And God never called us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. And so when you make a disciple, that means when they come to faith in Jesus Christ, you put your arm around them. You begin to pour into their life. It takes a investment of time on our part to, to, to make a difference in the lives of others. And, and I would just challenge you this morning. If you don't have somebody in your life that you're trying to make a difference in their life, somebody that you're trying to reach or somebody that you're trying to help them grow by teaching them the word of God, I would encourage you this morning, find a place on an altar in just a few moments and say, Lord, bring somebody into my life, bring somebody across my path that I can pour into the truth of the word of God, because I want to make a difference, not for me, but for the cause of Christ. Every Paul should have a Timothy and every Timothy needs a Paul. So we see Paul's authorship. Secondly, we see Paul's audience. We've already established that Paul's writing to the believers that are there at the church in Colossae. And I want you to notice a few things about them. In verse two, Paul says, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Notice with me a few things about these saints. Number one, notice their pardon. Paul refers to them as saints and faithful brethren in Christ. That word saint is synonymous with Christian believer. It literally means set apart ones. It's the same root word where we get the word sanctification. And to be a saint, listen to this, I love this. To be a saint means to have an acceptable spiritual condition before a holy God. Let me say that again. To be a saint means to have an acceptable spiritual condition before a holy God. Now, how is it that we gain an acceptable spiritual position before a holy God? Is it achieved by baptism? No, sir. Is it achieved by church membership? No, sir. Is it achieved by partaking in the Lord's Supper? No. I would say this to you, it is not achieved at all. It is received. Having a right standing before God is nothing that we ever achieve. It is something we receive because according to Romans chapter four, we experience what is called imputed righteousness. That means that the righteousness of Christ was deposited into us. So I don't stand in my own righteousness because if I stood in my own righteousness, I would not have an acceptable spiritual standing before a holy God. I have to stand in the righteousness of Christ that was freely given to me. Paul calls it this unspeakable gift of grace that changed his life. And, and now he has an acceptable spiritual standing before a holy God. And if you've been saved by God's grace this morning, you know what you are? You're a saint. So in here this morning, you, you, you fall in either one of two categories. You're either a saint or an ain't. You're either in or out. There is no in between. And thank God for the difference Christ made in your life that you may call yourself a saint. A saint is no one that we go to and ask that they might go petition God on our behalf because we've been told we can come boldly before the throne of grace and we too have access to a holy 
God. So it's their pardon. Notice their place. He says, we're talking to the faithful brethren, the saints that are in Christ, which are at Colossae. Now, Colossae is a city that at one time may have been thriving, but it's kind of off the beaten path. It's about 100 miles east of Ephesus. Today, it's in south central Turkey. But Colossae was not a metropolis like Rome was. Colossae was not a hub of religion like Jerusalem was. Colossae wasn't a center of wisdom like Corinth was. You know the reason we know anything about Colossae? The reason we know anything about this town called Colossae is because there was a church there. There were some folks that followed the leadership of Epaphras and they founded a church there in Colossae. And they began to gather, they began to grow, and they, then they began to go. And they made a difference in the community where they were. I do want people to appreciate Easley and Powdersville and Piedmont and Slabtown and Pelzer and West Pelzer. I, I've never gotten over that we need a West Pelzer. Pelzer ain't that big. But anyway... I want people to love our community because we have a loving community. But I want us to be known because we have churches that have gathered together that will stand on the truth of the word of God and allow our churches and the people inside of our churches, the, the saints, to make a difference in the community where God has planted us. I see their pardon. I see their place, and then notice their provisions. We'll come back to this tonight. In chapter two, he says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a twofold blessing that Paul is speaking of to the saints of Colossae that include grace and peace. Now, according to Romans chapter three and verse 24, you are justified, and we'll talk about that word tonight, but you are justified by grace. And it's grace, then peace, just like last week it was faith, then love. Because you will never experience the, you will never experience peace with God or the peace of God until you have first experienced the grace of God. Because before you have experienced the grace of God, the Bible says you are an enemy of God. And when you experience the grace of God, you can then experience peace with God and the peace of God. You know what makes the difference? His amazing grace. So I would challenge us this morning to be a Christian that makes a difference. You say, Pastor, how can I make a difference here? How can I make a difference? Man, there's all kinds of places for you to serve inside this local body of believers. Step out there to the next step and see if you can't find you a spot. Why don't you just put your arm around somebody and invest some time in them. Pour 
into somebody and make a difference. So as Christians, it's my desire, and I believe it's God's desire for us that we make a difference. But then as a church, may we make a difference. Not so that they could say, my, what a church, but so that the community could say, my, what a Savior. What a Savior is He. I challenge you this morning, make a difference. This couple was walking down the beach. As they walked down the beach, they saw off in the distance, it looked like a guy flipping and dancing and jumping around and they couldn't figure out what it was. So they just kept walking and as they got closer, they noticed it was a young boy. And there were starfish that had washed up all over the shore. There were thousands of them. And he was jumping around, picking up starfish and throwing them back in the ocean, picking up starfish and throwing them back in the ocean. And the man looked at him and said, son, what are you doing? And he said, well, all these starfish washed up with the tide last night. And if I don't throw them back in the water, they'll, they'll die. And the man looked at him and said, son, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these starfish up here. How are you ever going to make a difference? And the little boy looked at that man. He reached down and he picked up one of those starfish and he threw it in the ocean. And he said, I made a difference for that one. See, you may not can reach thousands, but you can reach one. You can put your arm around somebody and make a difference in their life. The truth is, there's people all around us that are hurting, and sometimes we don't ever know it. And you can make a difference. You can make a difference just by being an intercessor, falling on your knees and intercessing for somebody else. Our prayer lives often include we, me, my, and I. And maybe today the Lord said, if you're going to make a difference for somebody else, why don't you intercede on their behalf and pray for them and they. And pray for others. As we stand to our feet, we're going to have a song of invitation. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. I'm going to ask you just to step forward. Put your hand in mine and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. We would love to show you how you can leave today knowing heaven is your home. Maybe your desire truly is to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Maybe find a spot in an altar and say, Lord, would you bring somebody in my pathway this week that I might pour into? Lord, help me to make a difference in the life of my kids. Lord, help me to make a difference in the lives of those that I work with. Help me to make a difference, Lord, not for me, but for your cause. Because that's what you've called me to. Church, let's make a difference. Heavenly Father, we pray now, Lord, that you would do the work in the hearts of your people that only you can do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Preaching Ministry Podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.